Welcome to Reading to Kids podcast. I'm your host, Jenna. And I'm your host, Peyton. And we're here to read to you or with you. We know that sometimes moms and dads don't always have the time or the motivation to read to their kids each night, and we know how important it is. So, on those nights that you're not in the mood, we're going to do it for you. Can't wait to read with you. Good job, Peyton. High five. A series of unfortunate events. Book the second, The Reptile Room, Chapter 6. Bad circumstances have a way of ruining things that would have otherwise been pleasant. So, it is with the Baudelaire orphans, with the movie Zombies in the Snow. After all, all afternoon, the three children had sat and worried in in the reptile room under the mocking stare of Stefano and the obvious, the oblivious. The word oblivious here means not aware that Stefano was really Count Olaf and thus being in a great deal of danger. The chatter of Uncle Monty. So, by the time it was evening, the siblings were in no mood for cinematic entertainment. Uncle Monty's jeep was really too small to hold him. Stefano and the three orphans, and the three orphans, so Klaus, Klaus and Violet shared a seat, and poor Sonny had to sit on Stefano's filthy lap. But the Baudelaire's were too preoccupied to even notice their dis- their discomfort. The children all sat in a row in the mul- in the multiplex with Uncle Monty to one side while Stefano sat in the middle and hogged the popcorn. But the children were too anxious to eat any snacks and too busy trying to figure out what Stefano had planned to enjoy the zombies in the snow, which was a fine film. When the zombies first rose out of the snowbank surrounded by tiny alpine fishing in the village, Violet tried to imagine in a way in which Stefano could get aboard the pro- Prospero without a ticket and accompany the children to Peru. When the town fathers constructed a barrier of sturdy work, sturdy oak, to only have the zombies chomp their way through it, Klaus was concerned with exactly exactly what Stefano meant when he spoke about those incidents. And when that Gerda, the little milkmaid, and the f- made friends with the zombies and asked them to please stop eating the villagers, Sunny, who was one of the one who was, of course, the scarcely old enough to comprehend the orphan situation, tried to think of a way to defeat Stefano's plans, whatever they were. In the final scene of the movie, the zombies and the villagers celebrated May Day together, but the three Baudelaire orphans were too nervous and afraid to enjoy themselves one bit. On the way home, Uncle Monty tried to talk to the talk. Tried to talk to the silent worried children sitting in the back but they could hardly say a word in reply and eventually fell silent when the jeep pulled up to the snake-shaped hedges the baudelaire children dashed out and ran to the front door without even saying good night to their puzzled guardian with heavy hearts they climbed the stairs to their bedrooms but when they reached their door the, their doors they could not bear to part i know because now they all sleep separate huh mm-hmm. could could we all spend the night in the same room? Klaus asked Violet timidly. Last night, I felt like we were in a gel cell, worrying all by myself. Me too, Violet admitted. Since we're not going to, going to be going to sleep, we may as well sleep in the same place. Tico, Sunny agreed, and followed her siblings into Violet's room. 
Violet looked around the bedroom and remembered how excited she was to have been to to so excited she had been to move into just a short while ago. Now the enormous window and the view of the shape snake shaped hedges seemed depressing rather than inspiring, and the blank pages and the blank pages were I just lost my oh blank pages tackled her tacked to her wall rather than being convenient seemed to only remind her of how anxious she was i see you haven't worked much on your inventions klaus said gently i haven't been reading at all when count olaf is around it sure puts a damper on the imagination not always violet pointed out when we lived with him you read all about the nuptial law to find out about his plan and i invited a grappling hook and I invented a grappling hook to stop, to put a stop to it. In this situation, though, Klaus said gloomily, we don't even know what Count Olaf is up to. How can we formulate a plan if we don't know his plan? Well, let's try to hash this out, Violet said, using an expression here, which means talk about something at length until we completely understand it. Count Olaf is calling himself Stefano. He has come to this house in disguise, and he is obviously after the Baudelaire fortune. And, Klaus continued, once he gets his hands on it, he plans to kill us. Tadu, Sunny murmured solemnly, which probably meant something along the lines of, it's a loathsome situation in which we find ourselves. However, Violet said, if he harms us, there's no way he can get our fortune. That's why he tried to marry me last time. Thank God that didn't work, Klaus said, shivering. Then, Count Olaf would be my brother-in-law, but this time he's not planning to marry you, he said. He said something about an accident and about heading to, the lo- to a location where crimes are more difficult to trace, Violet said. Remembering his words, that must mean Peru. But Stefano isn't Peru. going to Peru. Remember, that's where their trip is going to be. Uh-huh, but what? There's no, like, what do they mean by Well, that? they're trying to figure out. He said... Because we can go far away in a place where crimes are hard to trace. And they're like, Peru? They're trying to figure out that the, um, they're trying to break his code. Like, figure out what he's planning. Yes, but, like, there, but is there, like, big laws? No, sometimes, like, it's, like, in the middle of a jungle. Oh. Yeah. Yep. Um, thank God that didn't work, Klaus said, shivering. The Count Olaf would be my brother-in-law, but this time he's not planning to marry you. He said something about an accident. And about heading to a location where crimes are more difficult to trace, said Violet, remembering his words. That must mean Peru. But Stefano isn't going to Peru. Uncle Monty tore up his ticket. Doog, Sonny shrieked in a generic cry of frustration, and then pounding her little fist on the floor. The word generic here means when one is unable to think of anything else to say, and Sunny was not alone in this. Violet and Klaus were, of course, too old to say things like Doog, but they wished they weren't. They wished they could figure out Count Olaf's plan. They wished their situation didn't seem as mysterious and as hopeful as it, hopeless as it did, and they wished that they were young enough to simply shriek Doog and pound their fist on the floor. And most of all, of course, they wished that their parents were alive and that the Baudelaire's were all safe in the home where they had been born. Wouldn't it be funny if at the very, very last book, they woke up from a terrible, terrible nightmare and their parents are like, oh my gosh, we heard you yelling. And it was all a bad dream. That's not, 
I know. I wish it would, though. And as fervently, fervently as, I don't even know what that word means. Oh my gosh, grow up, Jenna. As fervently as the Baudelaire orphans wish their circumstances were different. So that means like as frequently. I wish that I could, I wish that I could somehow change this story for you. Even as I sit here, safe as I can be, and so very far away from Count Olaf, I can scarcely bear to write another word. Perhaps it would be best if you shut this book right now and never read the rest of this horrible, horrifying story. You can imagine, if you wish, that an hour later, the Baudelaire orphan suddenly figured out what Stefano was up to and was able to save Uncle Monty's life. You can picture that the police were arriving with all their flashlights and sirens and dragging Stefano away to jail for the rest of his life. You can pretend that even though... It is not so that the Baudelaires' lives are happy with Uncle Monty to this day. Best of all, you can conjure up the illusion that the Baudelaire parents have not been killed and that the terrible fire and Count Olaf and Uncle Monty and all the other unfortunate events are nothing more than a dream, a figment of the imagination. I just said that. Whoa. But this story is not a happy one, and I am not happy to tell you that the Baudelaire orphans sat dumbly in Violet's room the word dumbly means without speaking rather than in a stupid way for the rest of the night. Had someone peeped on them in their bedroom window in the morning as the sun rose, they would have seen that the three children huddled together on their bed, their eyes wide open and dark with worry. But nobody peeped through a window and somebody knocked on the door. Four loud knocks as if something were being nailed shut. The children blinked and looked at one another. Who is it? Klaus called out, his voice crackly from behind the silence so long oh crack his his voice crackly from being silent for so long instead of an answer whoever it was simply turned the knob and swung the door open there stood stefano with his clothes all rumpled and his eyes shining brighter than ever before good morning he said it is time to leave for peru there is just one room for three there is just room for three orphans and myself in the jeep let's get a move on it We've told you yesterday that you aren't going, Violet said. She hoped her voice sounded braver than she felt. Mm, it is your Uncle Monty who isn't going, Stefano said, and he raised the part of his forehead where his eyebrows should have been. Don't be ridiculous, Klaus, said Uncle Monty wouldn't miss the expedition for the world. Ask him, Stefano said, and the Baudelaire saw an expression, a familiar expression on his face. His mouth scarcely moved, but his eyes were shutting as if he just told a joke. Why don't you ask him? He's down in the reptile room. We will ask him, Violet said. Uncle Monty has no intention of letting you take us to Peru alone. She rose from bed and took the hands of her sibling and walked quickly past Stefano, who was smirking in the doorway. We will ask him, Violet said again. And Stefano gave a little bow as the children walked out of the room. The hallway was strangely quiet, blank as the eyes of a skull. Uncle Monty? Violet called down the hall. Nobody answered. Aside from a few creaks in the steps in the whole house was quite eerie, as if it had been deserted for many years. Uncle Monty? Klaus called out from the bedroom, but from the bottom of the stairs. They heard nothing. Standing on tiptoe, Violet opened the enormous door of the reptile room, and for a moment the orphans stared into a room as if hypnotized, entranced by the odd blue light of which the sunrise made as it shone through the glass ceiling and the walls. In the dim glow, 
They could see only silhouettes of the various reptiles as they moved around in their cages or slept curled in shapeless dark masses, their footsteps echoing off the glimmering walls of the three siblings, walked through the reptile room towards the far end where Uncle Monty lay waiting for them. Even in the dark room, even the dark room felt mysterious and strange as it was comforting and mis... It was a comforting mystery and safe strangeness. They remembered Uncle Monty's promise that if they took time to learn the facts, no harm would ever come to them here in the reptile room. However, if you and I remember that Uncle Monty's promise was laden in the dramatic irony, and now in the early morning gloom of the reptile room, that irony was going to means that irony was going to come to fruition. A phrase which here means the Baudelaire children were finally to learn of it. For just as they reached the books, the three siblings could see a large, shadowy mass huddled over in the corner. Nervously, Klaus switched on one of the one of the reading lamps to get a better look the mass the shadowy mass was uncle monty his mouth was slightly agape as if he was surprised and his eyes were wide open but he didn't appear to see them his face was usually rosy and very his face usually so rosy was very pale and under his left eye were two small holes right in a line a sort of mark made by two fangs of fangs of a snake Devo soon, Sonny asked, and tugged at his pant leg. Uncle Monty didn't move, and, as he had promised, no harm had come to the Baudelaire orphans in the reptile room, but a great harm had come to Uncle Monty. Does he take them to Peru? No. Not Uncle Monty. Um, no, but Olaf. he does. Dang. I'm asking Peyton because she knows what happens, honey. She knows what happens in this book, huh, Peyton? All right. It is late, and you children need to get to bed. You guys need, children need to get to bed because you have to go to Peru in the morning. Right? (laughs) All right. Good night. This was a nice short chapter. Wonderful. Talk to you guys later. Wait, you have gum in your mouth? Mm -mm. Let me see, what's in your mouth? paper oh okay i was like you can't fall asleep with gum in your mouth it'll get in your hair okay peyton's gonna go to bed with chewing paper in her mouth (laughs) good night